your thoughts when you heard the news, and I assume you got the news ahead of the rest of us, uh, regarding Senator Isaacs and his decision. I know the staffs work closely together. I assume the two of you do as well. We, we have. Um, Tim, you know, I was saddened and surprised a little bit, but you know, um, Johnny's just been an icon for our state for so long, and uh, it just hit me hard to think he was going to actually retire. And um, But, you know, since I've been up there, he's been nothing but great for me, for Georgia. Uh, he helped me get on the ground uh, early and become effective. Uh, we haven't always voted the same, and I don't think people in Georgia would expect that. But I'll tell you, we have worked very closely together. Our staffs have always been close, both in the state and in D.C., and Johnny's just a prince of a guy. We're the only state in the country, by the way, that has two women as our chiefs of staff, mm. and they have done just a phenomenal job. Uh, now, there will be, uh, in addition to your election next year, and we can touch on that, but there will be a special election as well. The governor will make an appointment. Has the governor reached out to you in, in any way, shape, or form by way of what do you think, Senator? Has he asked for any advice? Well, this governor, I think, has hit the ground running. I mean, he's done a great job uh, in his first, uh, you know, nine months uh in the office, and yes, he's we he and I talk regularly on a lot of things. I mean, we've talked about disaster relief, uh, you know, all through the, the the last year. Uh, things are going on in the state, so he and I have been very close. I really appreciate that. I think it's a great working relationship that we have, and um, you know, I I know this that he is taking every pain to to look across the state and come up with the best Republican candidate to uh, to fill Johnny's shoes. As we sit here, uh, we are watching events unfold, uh, Turkish troops, Turkish airstrikes in Syria. I understand there are already reports of casualties. Uh, this, as the president says, he's pulling the very few troops that we had in there. Uh, we didn't have that many to begin with. He's pulling them out. Uh, what do you make of all this? Well, I was just over there last year, in, over in Gaziantep, which is right on the border. It's a, a refugee camp. And uh, so uh, I've been over to Erbil. The Turk, Turk, uh, I'm sorry, the Turk, the Kurds have been very strong allies of ours in that region over the last uh, decade or so. And uh, what the president did, though, is he hasn't withdrawn anything. He basically moved 50 special operations forces out of the immediate area. We still have a couple thousand troops uh, in Syria uh, doing specialty work. But this is a troubling time. I mean, the president's talked about sanctions on Turkey. Uh, we're aiding, we know that we're aiding uh, the Kurds right now financially and with military equipment. But this is troubling uh, that, uh, you know, the president of Turkey felt like he had to do this unilaterally. And I hope that we can get the, a ceasefire right away. And, uh, and get these people talking again right away. Uh, Senator David Perdue with us. Uh, also unfolding as we speak, even though you folks are not in session, House and Senate out, all the talk, all the movement on impeachment, the so-called impeachment inquiry. Is there any there there in terms of substance? We have a president who has publicly called for foreign countries to investigate political rivals. Is there anything to this? Well, everybody can read the, the transcript of the telephone conversation just like each of us can. I mean, I've looked at it, and I can, I can conclude very openly and, and discernedly that uh, there, it certainly doesn't rise to the level of impeachment. And you've got to take uh, words out of context to make the case that uh, they're making. We were told by uh, Speaker Pelosi that there were eight different quid pro quos and that we would see it when we saw the transcript. When we've seen the transcript. There's no such thing there. What the president is doing is trying to, to deal with corruption. He's not the first president that's dealt with the Ukraine on corruption. President Obama did the same thing. So nothing rises to the level of impeachment. And what I'm calling for is for the Speaker of the House to call for and have a, uh, a vote, a specific vote in the House on uh, this inquiry. This is unprecedented territory we're in, Tim, that 
uh, we've had two other, three other occasions where the House uh, actually had this situation. And in each one of those cases, historically, they voted for a special inquiry. Why is that important? Because it allows the accused due process, in all fairness, to call their uh, accusers to the front and then be able to answer their accusers. Right now, it's a show trial where one side gets to, to make a false accusation and then drive their uh, witnesses to that, and the accused never gets to have their due process. That's un-American. Well, what, I've heard this compared to a grand jury proceeding. You don't Very get similar. some of those same rights in a grand jury either. You mm-hmm. do get them at trial. Well, this is different. This is, a, this is an impeachment. This is where the legislative branch of the federal government is attacking the uh, executive branch, and they want to undo uh, a democratically held election in 2016. That's why this is so different. Uh, look, and even in a grand jury, the accused eventually gets their day in court. Right now, we're not hearing anything of the defense. And so uh, I think it's high time that we do what we've, we've done three other times with Johnson in 1868, with Nixon, and with Bill Clinton, that we had a formal vote in the House. And that would allow subpoena power on both sides to bring witnesses and get this thing cleared up. Uh, Senator David Perdue with us. I want you to hear something, and this will sound familiar. You were talking about this in 2014. In fact, this is exactly uh, almost all of what you talked about in 2014 <laughs> when you were running for Senate. You continue to talk about it now, and it continues to be a problem. Yeah. Hear this and get your reaction. The U.S. government budget for the most recent fiscal year had a deficit of just under $1 trillion. The Congressional Budget Office says last year's deficit was about $779 billion. This year, it was nearly $985 billion. The CBO says deficits have been growing faster than the size of the economy for four years in a row, despite very low unemployment and positive economic growth. The overall accumulated national debt is at $22 trillion. That's Jill Nato at Fox. All right, there has been this idea, Senator Perdue, uh, economists have said this, Republicans have said this for years. We can, if the economy grows at a good enough pace, we can grow our way out of debt and deficit. Uh, she's telling us now with the latest reports that is that hasn't happened in four years. Well, it's never happened. You're not going to grow at this size of the debt. And I said this in 2013 and 14 when I ran. And thank you for remembering that. I ran because of this debt and also because of the global security crisis. But this is the fact. You're not going to be able to grow your way out of this problem. You're not going to be able to tax your way out of it. You're not going to be able to cut your way out of it. The reality is right now our mandatory expenses are what's causing this huge explosion in the debt. Um, in the last, since 2011, we actually have cut discretionary spending as a percentage of the GDP. Today we spend 6% on discretionary spending. And separate those two terms, I will, so mandatory I will. and discretionary, because a lot of people don't know. I will, but the, the discretionary spending is what we, what, it's what all the drama is about up there. It's $1.3 trillion. We spend $4.6 trillion totally in the federal government. The other $3.3 trillion is mandatory. Mandatory is Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, pension benefits for federal employees, and the interest on the debt. So what's in mandatory? We spend all this drama talking about defense, the VA for the most part, and all domestic discretionary spending. That is all of our food subsidies, all of our ag, all of our justice, uh, education, health, uh, all the things that you hear Congress debating about is only $1.3 trillion. Now, that is 6% of our GDP, whereas in 2011, that was 9%. By growing the economy, we're attacking one of the five areas that I called out in 14 that we have to work on to deal with this debt. That's grow the economy. The Congressional Budget Office says that by growing the economy at our current rate, we have reduced the the debt curve over the next decade by $3 trillion. And yet we still see that it's going to grow about $10 trillion because 
Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid are growing exponentially. We have uh, only one person, we have uh, two people working for every person drawing Social Security. Today, when it was formed, 16 people were working for every person drawing a benefit. There's the answer. And the problem is right now, the trust funds of Medicare goes to, they go to zero in 2026. That's seven years from now, Tim. And Social Security trust fund goes to zero by 2032. The crisis is here. You interviewed me several times in 14 uh, asking these same questions. What we've done is by growing the economy, move one step closer to getting this resolved. But we have to get to saving Social Security and Medicare. We have to get at health care costs, fix this budget process. It's only worked four times in 45 years and get rid of some of these redundant agencies. Well, Senator we, David Perdue, toward that end, there was a committee. You were on it that, that was working toward a actually getting back to the budget process or something similar to the budget <laughs> process, something that looks like a budget process. What happened there? Well, we did spend a year. It was eight Democrats, eight Republicans from the House and the Senate. I was one of uh, four Republican senators on that, and I was proud to be there. We worked for a full year. Now, before that, I had a working group of 12 people, Republicans and Democrats, who are looking at to find a politically neutral platform where nobody gets an advantage, and we actually fund the government on time. And we agreed on three or four principles that we are actually, some of us are putting those into bills right now. Um, I have a bill in there that says if the if the uh, government if the Congress doesn't fund the government by the end of the fiscal year that nobody goes home nobody travels and nobody gets paid until that gets done that's a very simple thing that happens in most states by the way in Georgia perfect example we have a balanced budget law and we have a law that says when the government when the legislature gets through with their um, uh, session if they haven't funded the government they cannot go home and that that is a huge incentive to get things done. Uh, Senator David Perdue, another couple of things here. Uh, school safety. You're working on a bill. Correct me if I'm wrong here, working from memory. Is it with Senator Jones from Alabama? Yes, sir. Uh, Doug Jones, Democrat. Yes, sir. Uh, you're working. What's this going to do? Well, what we do is codify what uh, has already been uh, established as a recommendation from the president's bill that called for a review of school safety. And what it did is it said, look, we, we need a clearinghouse nationally to allow for best practices to be shared with all school systems in, in the country. And so our bill simply state, simply uh, creates that and funds it. Um, and what it will do is allow uh, a school in Hayhira, Georgia, for example, to see the best practices of, of Dallas, Texas, for example. I've visited a school right here in Georgia, and the governor's doing and, and the first lady have, have called uh, school safety one of the top three or four issues that they personally are working on. And they've done a great job uh, shining a light on this problem. But we have schools in Georgia. I was in uh, Forsyth County a few weeks ago, and the sheriff and the school system there have been working on this for a while. And I have to tell you, I was very impressed with how that $30,000 per school is being spent. Now, the governor allocated that in the last session. These people have already spent it. And uh, it, 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 I believe it's a, a, one of the first steps that we need to take to make sure our kids are safe at school. Well, the idea being that the people in Hayhira know what Hayhira needs and the people in, I don't know, coming know what they need more than the people in Atlanta and Washington might know. Oh, that's exactly right. I mean, that's, ex that's exactly, I wish I'd have thought of <laughs> say that myself, Tim, but that's exactly why this is so powerful because the, we, we, we've tried the top-down approach in so many of these problems from the federal government in Washington, but we have some bureaucrat give us a one-size-fits-all, and it doesn't work. So we know right there in Forsyth County what some of the things they're doing, like little things, they have a roll-down shade. When they have a, a, if they were to have a crisis in the in the hallway, the teacher can lock the door from the inside. Be surprised how few schools have door locks on school classrooms mm -hmm. that can lock from the inside. So they lock it, pull the shade down so nobody can see in there, and on the back of the shade are very simple emergency procedures that that teacher is supposed to follow. 
Senator, I mean, they can do that anywhere. Senator David Perdue with this uh, human trafficking, huge problem, uh, increasing problem. How do we take more bites out of that apple? Well, again, the First Lady, Marty Kemp, has made this one of her top priorities. I've joined her, and uh, we visited the GBI um, and seen what they're doing. Georgia, unfortunately, is sort of a crossroads for that, given our uh, road infrastructure, our airport, and uh, so forth. Um, 100,000 kids a year are trafficked in the United States. I mean, this is incredible. And what we also have in the, in, it's ironically the same number, but in, in Georgia, we have uh, about 100,000 cases a year where an adult perpetrates a sex crime on someone below the age of 18. That's, that's untenable. And it's unacceptable. So we're, we're shining a light on it. We're focusing attention on it and trying to put resources behind uh, stopping this. We have cases where Delta Airlines has had training. My, my congressional staff is the first congressional staff to go through the training about how to recognize the symptoms of someone being trafficked. Senator David Perdue with us. Uh, it, it, hard to believe it's here already, but uh, an election year running for re-election. Four mm-hmm. Democrats out there uh, announced so far. There may well be others. Uh, what are you thinking? What are you looking at uh, as you look at the lay of the land? Uh, of course, the special election for Johnny Isaacson seat going to further uh, complicate or muddy the water, however you want to look at it. it. It's going to be quite the interesting year. What do you see? Well, you know, this morning I, I spoke at the uh, uh, Institute of, of Leadership uh, over at uh, the Terry School of Business. And, uh, you know, I, in there, uh, this, this specific question didn't come up. But what we were talking about is the democratic process. Look, I, I've got my head down right now. I'm doing the job I was uh, elected to do, and that's to represent 11 million people in the state of Georgia, both people who Democrats who voted against me and Republicans who voted for me and others who, who didn't vote. But So we're, we're doing our job doing that. Look, I don't think it matters at this point on the Democratic side who they nominate. Uh, they're all going to be a rubber stamp for this leftist regime uh, socialist agenda that's being talked about by these presidential candidates. And, oh, by the way, is being, uh, has been discussed in the Senate for the last three or four years since I've been up there. So my role is to basically educate Georgians about their top-line choices above the single issues that may be important to each of us. This is a turning point for our country, and uh, I just don't think America— is uh, ready to go down that socialist road. And I can tell you, on my watch, I just don't think, uh, you know, the road to socialism is not going to run through the state of Georgia. Uh, Senator David Perdue, thanks so much for your time.